Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. John Spence was a member of the 1990s band The Far Gone Beauties, which turned rock songs into bluegrass songs and whose members included James Gillard, who has also been in The Flood. Since then, John has worked behind the scenes in the music industry, but he's now back behind the microphone and on the stage with the songs Burning Sky and Everybody Wants to Be a Winner. So there is a story behind all of that. I'm going to ask him about it. Hello, John. Hi, Sophie. Great to meet you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm going to start actually back with the Far Gone Beauties and ask ask about that band because there'll be a few people listening and watching who have not heard of the band, have no idea what it was about. So what was the story of the Far Gone Beauties? Far Gone Beauties was an accidental band that just kept going. So um, backtrack to late 1989, I got a call from a gentleman named Tommy Emmanuel. Yeah, that guy. Um, and Tommy and I would go back a long, long time and he said, Phil and I are doing a show in Sydney Tomorrow night, um, actually it was, no, that's right, it's tonight. Sorry, we're doing two shows. We're doing one tonight. Um, and we're not on stage till 10.30 and we need someone to fill in. So you're the support act. Oh, really? So can I bring a friend? Yes, you can bring a friend. So I literally called James Gillard. And James had been working in Melbourne, um, had just recently moved to Sydney. He'd been originally in Mondo Rock. He was with Broderick Smith's Big Combo and many other great Melbourne bands. Just moved to Sydney, said, I'm really looking for work, anything. So I called him and obviously we just logged at that time, we, that afternoon we got together, we just talked through a bit of an idea for play, a couple of you know, half an hour of stuff with acoustic guitars, rocked into the gig without rehearsal and did the show. Tommy says, that was fun, but let's do a band tomorrow night. I'll play drums. And not many people know that one of the greatest acoustic guitar players in the world is also one of the best drummers I've ever seen. Right. Tommy said, let's do you know, if you want to bring somebody else. So as it turned out, our mutual friend Terry Murray, the big bald pommy bloke who started the Fargons with us, mm -hmm. was literally around the corner from James. So I said, well, come on, let's go. So again, without rehearsal, we just fronted up into the venue. Um, Tommy said, what are we playing? We gave him a song list. We hadn't played, we hadn't rehearsed, whatever else. It actually went over a treat and there was a full house <laughs> and we're, th we're thinking, this is really great. But anyway, out of the end of the show, out of the audience came an, a fellow who turned out to be a booking agent, well-known <laughs> Sydney booking agent, and said, is this a band? And we went, well, I guess it could be. <laughs> um, and Tommy said, well, I'm in town for like three weeks, but I, I'm happy to play drums, but I won't play guitar. Right. And the agent said, well, does the band have a name? And James, quick as a flash, said, Far Gone Beauties. And we went, oh, double take that. Right. And crack up and said, well, I guess it could be. Let's see what you can do. He booked us three and four nights a week for the next three weeks while Tommy was there. And then Tommy had to go back and do recording and touring with Dragon at the time before he was famous in America. And um, and so we just kept going. That's the that's the origin of the band. And we just discovered this thing. We were playing country rock covers. Mm -hmm. One day, Terry, the guitar player, came in with this idea and said, let's do a bluegrass version of Wild Thing with banjo. Right. But it's got to be loud. 
-hmm. And so that was the origins of thrash grass. And, not, and the rest is history. I have, there are so many questions that are bubbling to my mind. The first one is when you and James first discussed this for the first night, how on earth did you settle on a set list? Because the two of you, I imagine, came in with a whole lot of songs that you knew. Did you know that you already had some common ground um, that you could put into a set list or was there a bit of argy-bargy? Well, I'd met James uh, before when he was touring and I was touring, et cetera, so forth, and we just got along well and we really liked Great vocal harmonies, stuff with acoustic guitars in it, stuff that probably fit into the country rock genre, mm -hmm. and that's what we decided the set list would be on the first night with Tommy. So we just sang a whole bunch of Neil Young, um, James Taylor, some Joni Mitchell, you know, all that kind of acoustic-y, vocal-y, chorus, um, sorry, vocal harmony stuff. The next night was completely different. It was much more of a rockin' thing. Yeah, right. So, because also to decide country rock, because, you know, Tommy Emmanuel's oeuvre doesn't really suggest that the support band would be country rock. So did you, that was just something you both wanted to do? Well, it was the only thing we knew how to do without rehearsing. <laughs> so, and Tommy's just up for anything. So he's always been up for anything. Um, and he just went along for the ride. Um, he actually played with us again in Tamworth, would you believe, like like maybe a year later or something, rather completely just lucky he was in town when we had a gig somewhere, I can't remember which hotel it was, and we hooked up with Tom in the afternoon and he said, oh, I'll come and play drums for you. So I've got a tape of that. It's fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously you cannot arrive at that, that standing start for what you did without having a wealth of experience behind you because, it, it, you know, it's one thing to have the musical knowledge and to know those songs that you want to play. It's another to actually not be unnerved by having to do a performance at such short notice. So what had been your, I know you had, I know you had been in bands before that, but um, for the benefit of the audience, what was your background to that point in time? Okay, so until um, probably that year, I'd been living on the north coast of New South Wales, grew up in Sydney, played in bands through high school, et cetera, so forth. But I had a band in Lismore uh, called Hoodwink, and that was local guys, and they were good players. And we were working, again, sort of three and four nights a week for years and years and years and years. Um, and so we were doing original material back then. I was writing all that stuff. Um, we were always doing other things on as well. So we had businesses and jobs to go to, but we were working a lot. There was so much music going on. North Coast, New South Wales, late 70s, early 80s, so many places to play. Um, and so you could you could get away with doing original material and we were selling, you know, we were selling CDs and stuff and what have you, or not CDs, but cassettes and albums. Yeah. Um, and people were coming to gigs and that went on. Um, so the background of that was I, was that stead me. It, it, I was all, I've been playing in bands since I was 12 years old. Right. I'd been writing for our band Hoodwink on the North Coast by the way, if anybody knows a gentleman named Jeff Chandler, Jeff Chandler is a well-known manager in the country music industry and has managed, wait for it, Tommy Emanuel, James Wendell, mm -hmm. currently also did manage Troy Cassadaly, did manage Lee Kernigan, and is still managing Sarah Stora. So right. Jeff and I have been buddies for a long, long time. And Jeff is a wonderful guitar player, still is, um, and that was the basis of the band back then. So we all go back on both sides of the industry. Jeff worked for years as a professional musician and ended up on the management side. I came back to Sydney in the mid-80s, if you like. This was just before I hooked up with Tommy and Co. 
and um, and I've been working in television. Um, and then I was working in event production for many, many years, always playing in bands, etc., but never really having the time to put into recording this batch of original songs that I finally got around to doing after many, many years of sidelining it. Right. So this is these are the songs that you're releasing now, you mean? Yeah, some of those songs had their genesis way back. Um, many of them were songs that were either not finished Right. Or have been around in a different format, different style of stuff. But um, last year I, I found, I actually had a, a business in Sydney which I had managed to find a buyer for and it freed my time up. Mm-hmm. So probably this time a year ago, I finally got around to thinking, you know, I now have the time to mm-hmm. put some creative thought back into some of these songs that have been kicking around my head for something, sometimes up to 20 years. Right and sit down and, and finish them and arrange them in the context of today's music. And mm-hmm. that's really what the genesis of this album that's coming out later in the year. So I wonder how your relationship to those songs changes over time because obviously it's it's an idea that you had, you said some of them like 20 years ago, and it's and it's been with you. So is that a story that, that persists that you want to tell or is it an emotion from 20 years ago that you still want to convey? I mean, or do you does it do you look at it and think, okay, well, 20 years ago I thought it meant that and now it means this, but it's still a valid thing I want to say? Some stories just go on. And some some stories have the same sentiment from you know many, many years ago. So the, the first song I've released so far is it was the um, title track of what will be the album called Burning Sky. Mm-hmm. That was actually the genesis of that. It was absolutely a true story. There were some friends of mine back in the day who decided to go west and work in the mines mm-hmm. and put together a little stash of money so that they could sort of set themselves up for other future endeavours. Um, and it wasn't so much fun. It really wasn't. They they found life was pretty tough out there. Um, and the company they were working for went into some, went through some difficulties, et cetera, so forth. The area that they were working in was going through drought. But this is a story that's not unchanged for decades. Mm-hmm. Many people have experienced the same thing. Um, and so Burning Sky had its genesis back with that actual story of my friends who went out and tried to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally I, I had finished and rearranged the song only around about maybe four, six months ago. Right. And Everybody Wants to Be a Winner, is that another one you've had for a while? Everybody Wants to Be a Winner is a song again, a, a bit of another um, sort of true story, if you like. It's a story about a guy who probably met what turned out to be the love of his life a little bit early. And <laughs> being a young guy, he was sort of prone to a little bit of temptation and some distractions along the way. Always thinking, mm, you know, maybe I should settle down, but maybe I'm too young. Maybe this is not the right, maybe it is. And a short story is the the end. The, the result is he finally did end up back with the girl that he truly loved and realised that she was the one that made him feel like a winner. Right. Yeah. Um, so given that you have written so many songs and some of these have been with you for a while, was there an, a, a process, I don't want to say natural selection, that's a different term, but if you know what I mean, the, the songs kind of that you wanted, that you were to record somewhat suggested themselves because they've been with you for so long? 
Yeah, some of those songs have been around, if not finished, but basically they had been finished and worked on and arranged in the last maybe nine months or so. And the process was great fun. So if you had, oh, the, the main thing for me was that I've been around for a while and worked on both sides of the industry, both as a performer, which I continued to do with all sorts of bands in, in Sydney since I came back here, but not doing original material. And you kind of get to an age after a little while, you think, if I'm going to keep doing this, I'd really well like to see these songs get out of my head and into the air, mm. and be heard by other people, for better or for worse. Whatever is going to happen with them, I don't know. But um, it's been just a wonderful process to get these things recorded. We went into a great studio in northern Sydney, which is owned by Jim Bajini, who is one of the guitar players from Midnight Oil. Um, and... I had a great band and everybody that I wanted to work on this record with said yes, so how lucky am I? So James Gillard from the Far Gone Beauties, mates for many, many decades, came in and played bass and contributed backing vocals. Mm -hmm. Hamish Stewart, one of my favourite drummers in Sydney, forever played drums. Um, Bill Risby, who is Mr Keyboards, he is he's the guy you call if you want to have the guy that plays the best pianos and organs, etc., so forth. And James put me on to a, a younger guy named Ollie Thorpe, who's going to be a, a name to contend with. So Ollie's um, probably the youngest guy that we used on the sessions for these things. He played beautiful pedal steel. Now, while the album, a lot of the songs on the album have got pedal steel, it's not the normal, what you'd say, the Nashville twangy sort of old school stuff. Mm -hmm. He just delivered some beautiful colours and some atmospheric things that was almost like keyboard parts, but on a, this beautiful instrument that he played so well. So Ollie Thorpe is a name to be reckoned with. He's currently playing with the, the Whitlam's Black Stump Band yep. and, and touring, and he'll, he'll be known very well. He's a very talented man. So the Far Gone Beauties recorded, I think, at least three albums. I did read three and then I seemed to find four, so I wasn't sure which one was correct. Um, so it had been a while, I guess, since you had been in a studio. Did it feel like riding a bike? It was just like no time passed. <laughs> it, was, it was riding a bike, but it was a bit of fun. So I actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually spent some years back in the in the 90s being a producer. So right. I sort of worked on the other side of things for many years. Yeah. Um, and it was great fun doing production work. We did a lot of, you know, country stuff and some children's stuff and all sorts of event stuff for ABC Music. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, then the burden of responsibility was on your shoulders. Well, this time it was my project. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so, yes, while I was the producer, the songwriter and the guitar player and the whatever, it was just so much fun to listen to these great players just delivering what had been in my head for so long without even thinking about it. That's just what they did. Yeah. Um, so you said you've been playing in bands over the course of the past few years after. So the Far Gone Beauties broke up at a certain point um, and you've still been playing in bands. Is it, uh, Do the stakes feel different when you're playing your own songs? Do you know what? I haven't tested that yet. Right. <laughs> so when we were doing the Hoodwink thing where I was talking about with my friend Jeff Chandler back in the day, I just found it incredibly satisfying to be playing stuff that, you know, we've written mm. and people know the words and people are responding to it in a positive way. Now, I haven't had the chance to do that for, you know, 20 plus years and I'm about to. So right. the first chance we're going to have to gauge that is that after the album comes out late in the year, um, we've got a couple of gigs in Tamworth with a really great band lineup of, of exceptional musicians who have agreed to do this 
with me. We've got a couple of shows in the Golden Guitar Week in Tamworth okay. coming up, and that'll be the first time these songs will actually get out into the air in front of a live audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so back with a bang, I think, playing festival as your first shows. We're not playing, we're, well, we're playing in the, the Country Music Festival. Yeah. We're playing at West Hamworth Leagues, a couple of shows on the Thursday and the Friday night before the Golden Guitar Awards. But I've got a great band there. We've got Vaughan, Ta- uh, Vaughan Jones, I should say, from uh, Lee, uh, sorry, wrong. We've got have Vaughan Jones on keyboards from Troy Casadaly's band. We have the wonderful Ian Lees, who is with everybody playing always, all throughout Tamworth in the whole week. We have Dave Moore from Melbourne, who's a wonderful pedal steel player, and my friend Billy Handley, who's a wonderful drummer from Queensland. So just blessed. Sorry about the detail, but I'm so looking forward to those shows. As soon as we get those shows, I'll know if the songs are going to work with a live audience or not. We'll never apologise for detail, um, as I'm very fond of saying people love to hear about work and this is the work detail. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking given uh, given how the Far Gone Beauties came together where you just sort of went, okay, well, we're here on a stage, let's go. I imagine that the band you have for Tamworth probably won't need much rehearsing because you're all professionals and you all know what you're doing. Uh, but are you planning to rehearse much? <laughs> Funny you should ask that. I've just been trying to find a window of rehearsal. I'm still working. <laughs> Because everyone in Tamworth, as you know, is so busy. They just yeah. go show to show to show. So, you know, my honestly, I don't know if we're going to have a chance to rehearse. Bottom line is I'm going to send them my songs. I'm going to send them some charts. And if we turn up on stage without rehearsing, I know it's still going to be good. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, at the very least it will be interesting and also uh, it will be familiar to you given that you did do the stunt performance all those years ago. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that the album's coming out later this year. We are in October as we're speaking, so clearly it's going to be pretty soon. Yeah, well, I just spoke to Ted Howard, the engineer. So Ted has been doing wonderful stuff in, in the country music industry for 20-plus years. Um, he, we were lucky enough to have him doing the, do the recording of this. He's now in mixing stage. Those two songs that are out now um, are entering the Golden Guitar Awards for better or worse. We'll see what happens. Um, and then the rest of them, he literally started mixing them today. Okay. So Ted's been hunkered down with Ian Moss doing a live record, da 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 da, rehearsing, uh, sorry, mis- mixing. Mossy's stuff for about the last three weeks mm-hmm. um, and he's back on with my thing now for the next whatever it takes. Hopefully my album called Burning Sky will be out late November, early December. That's the plan. So I can tell how energised you are by releasing this music. I'm wondering if it if it then sort of creates this cascade effect whereby you, you're getting these songs out into the world and now more songs are coming. And so then you're thinking, well, this is a going concern. I'm going to have this, these songs out. I may need to find an avenue for other songs. That I, or are you writing at all at the moment? You know, once a writer starts writing, you never really stop. Um, I had literally put it on hold for over 20 years because I'd been busy doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in my case, it's kind of like it, I, I needed that space from mm-hmm. my creative side of the, the brain or whatever it is to mm-hmm. think in that space mm-hmm. and that has not been the case for a long long time it's because i've just simply been so busy having the freedom to do that has been an absolute joy to get back into that space and get writing again so yes we continue i'm continuing to write yeah fantastic now there is a, a very nice looking guitar over your shoulder um i'm wondering if as a guitarist there's never only just one guitar so how many do you have <laughs> <laughs> i think i have about 16 Okay, right. Don't tell my wife that. 
<laughs> Some of them are tied to the <laughs> A lot of guitar players I know have 50. You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's just uh, I've, ne I've never been a collector, um, but the guitars I own all, all have different voices. So they all have a specific thing and they're there for a specific reason. And I used quite a lot of them in this studio, and, and that's the reason we, you know, us guys indulge ourselves with multiple instruments because you go, I've got just the instrument for that. It's yeah. this and that one over there, for example, it's a 1961 Gretsch, um, not particularly valuable, just a lovely old instrument, and it just works in its own way. Mm -hmm. Is there one instrument, though, that you prefer to write on, or do you mix it up for that as well? Funny thing is, my writing guitar I have had since the uh, mid-70s and I bought it for $30 from a friend of mine and it's a very old Maton classical right. guitar. It's not a steel string guitar, it's not an electric guitar. Right. It's just an old beaten-up Maton small-bodied nylon string guitar and it's been through hell and back and it's been repaired a few times and all the rest of it, but it's right there next to my chair in the lounge room when I get an idea and that's what I pick up. Right. Well, the songs that are coming out on this album obviously originated with this Mason, which seems fitting because that's an Australian-made guitar. Um, and, John, it's been such a treat to talk to you. Um, the songs are great. I look forward to hearing the album and people can catch you in Tamworth. Mm -hmm. And I presume there will be other shows after that. But at the very first instance in Tamworth, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Sophie. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.